0: Titus chapter three, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of, our, of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we, may, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, And I want want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful they are self-condemned as soon as i send artemis or tichicus to you do your best to come to me at nicopolis because i have decided to winter there do everything you can to help zenas the lawyer and apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to be in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all.
1: It'd be great if you can actually keep the Bibles open there so we can, we'll have a closer look at that tonight. Uh, thank you for your welcome. And uh, if you're here for the first time, or you might have come with someone who's being baptised or confirmed tonight, uh, you're like me. This is my first time here uh, as well. Uh, and I hope you enjoy your time here. I'm going to uh, pray again, and then we'll have a look at see what this uh, says. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for the Bible. And we pray now that you would enable us to understand it. And we pray, Father, that you might cut each one of us to the heart as we understand this better. And uh, we pray this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, are you nice when other people are nasty to you? That's what I want to think about tonight. Are you nice when other people are nasty to you? Now, I used to live uh, on a church property when I was a, a, a church minister, uh, and we happened to live next door, well, our church and the households of me happened to be next door to another church uh, of a different flavour to ours, and I used to have this problem with people from that church always are parking across the front of our driveway, which was also the driveway to the church, which obviously means we can't get in or out, depending on which way you want to go. It was so frustrating. I tried everything. I tried politely asking them not to park across our driveway. Uh, I tried, because I would do it often enough, uh, calling the police or ringing the council. They couldn't care less. I investigated wheel clamping and towing and a couple of other things and discovered it was actually illegal to do those things. My question is, what would you do? What would you do? I tried putting out, you know, those uh, 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 orange traffic cones across our driveway or put out the wheelie bins. Sometimes I put out some of our church plastic chairs with a sign, please do not park across the driveway. What they do is they get it, they chuck it on the footpath and park across our driveway. What would you do? What would you do? This just happened constantly. One night, uh, we'd gone away for a little while and we came home, it was a Saturday night, got home about 10pm and the car is loaded with luggage, and with sleeping children. And cars are parked across our driveway again. So this church, when they did these big church things with people parking across, would often have car park helpers in their high-vis vests. So I went over to them, and I asked very politely, I said, "Um, look, can you ask whoever's parked here to move their car. That's my driveway. And I get this, why? What's your problem? I can't get in my driveway. (laughs) Then they said this, what's the fuss? It's just one night. I said, I need to get in my driveway tonight. And this is the uh, response that I got. Take a mental seat. And I quote, Why are you being so selfish?
0: Are you kidding?
1: Hello? What would you do? Well, I'm not uh, proud of what I did next. (laughs) I said this. Well, you won't mind if I park in your driveway then. You should have seen their response. This guy and his 10 foot broad tall mate Mind you, this is the church people, okay? They started swearing and yelling at me like you have never heard before. They're all carrying those really big metal mag lights. They're shining them right in my face and they are going off. What would you do? I walked away because they were massive. (laughs) But... uh, when Christmas came around, I knew they'd do the same thing at Christmas time when they were doing their Christmas services. So, what I did was, I went out and I bought a tin of grease thick, black, sticky grease. And my plan was, I'd get some of the church plastic chairs, I'd put a black garbage bag. Over the chairs, I'll put a sign, please don't park in our driveway. And then I was going to slather it in grease because I knew they wouldn't care. They'd come over, pick up the chairs, chuck them on the side of the road, and uh, park there. But of course, full of grease, I'll pick the grease. I go, oh, yuck, oh, yuck. And they'd walk into church uh, covered in grease. And in my mind, I thought, it would be a small yet satisfying victory for me. (laughs) I'll tell you what happened later. But how do you treat people who treat you badly? Are you nice to people when people are nasty to you? Coming to me to this Bible passage, it helps us to think about this. And uh, in Titus chapter 3... And sentence one or verse one, verse one, sentence one, it's the same thing. It says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, that is, obey the laws of the land. That's what he's saying. To be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, that is, don't say bad stuff about people, to be peaceable, don't cause trouble, and consider it. Do what is nice and helpful for others and always be gentle toward everyone. He's basically saying, be good and do good. And he's saying this in the context of people treating them badly. That's how you should respond, be good, do good. Now, why would the Bible say this? Why would the Bible say, be nice when people are nasty? Well, in uh, sentence three or verse three, It says, because at one time, I say because there, in the original language of the Bible, the word because is there. So, uh, sentence three, because at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. In other words, you were once like those people who were treating you badly. Like them, it says, you too. Or you also were foolish and disobedient, enslaved to passions and desires, malicious, envious, hateful. Now, being enslaved to passions and desires, that does not mean that um, you're some kind of party animal. That's the Bible's way of saying people who live to please themselves over-pleasing God. Uh, Now, all those things that we've just read there in verse 3, that sounds terrible. And you you may be sitting there thinking, I'm nothing like that. I am not like that. But have you never, ever really been malicious, said bad stuff about people? Have you never been envious, even a little, or hateful? Have you never, ever pleased yourself over pleasing god we've all we've all done one or all of those things i imagine most of us have done all i know i have but something happened what happened look with me at sentence 4 but when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, who he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. These words here, these verses express what has happened to them, or more accurately, what God did for them. And in three words, he saved us. You see that in sentence five. He saved us. And at the end, again, second part of sentence five. He saved us. God saved them. Now at that time the readers understood exactly what that meant so it's not explained in full here but allow me to do so for you. God tells us in the Bible that all people have lived to please themselves rather than God. That's another way of saying people have placed themselves above God and the Bible calls that sin. Now I know that These days you're not supposed to say that word. But that's what God calls it, sin. And God teaches us that in the Bible that the consequence, indeed the penalty of sin is death, which ultimately is eternity without God. And God calls eternity without him or eternally separated from him God calls that hell. And again, I know that's a bad word you're not supposed to say, but he says, but that's what God calls it. When you are separated from him forever. But God did not desire that people pay for their own sins in eternal death. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world, to pay the penalty of death that people deserve for their sins on their behalf. And God says that when you put your faith in Jesus as the one who pays the debt of death that you owe for your sin, then you are forgiven of your sins. And heaven, and not hell, is yours. You are saved. That is what God did. That is what Jesus did. He saved us. And I wonder as we were reading that part of the Bible, if you noticed why? Why? Firstly, if you look at sentence five... It said, it is not because of righteous things we had done. God didn't save us because we were righteous in any way. Remember, we too were, sentence three, we too were foolish and disobedient and malicious and envious and hateful and lovers of pleasures and passions. We were unrighteous. We were not right before God. But he saved us. Why? Sentence four. Look at that. Sentence four. But when the kindness of, and love of God our Saviour appeared. Now when it talks about when our God our Saviour appeared, in verse six, sentence six, it says Jesus Christ is our Saviour. So it's saying here that the kindness and love of God is embodied in Jesus. Uh, So if you want to see God's kindness, if you want to see God's love, then you look at Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did. That is Jesus' death on the cross... For our sins, not his own, but for our sins was the love and kindness of God. See, God was unspeakably nice to us, even though we were nasty. And further, in sentence five, we're told that he saved us Because of his mercy. Now mercy is not giving us the punishment that we do deserve for our sin. And it's only mercy because we don't deserve it. If you do deserve it, it's no longer mercy, is it? And sentence five goes on to talk about being saved through what the Holy Spirit Now, often when people hear about the Holy Spirit for the first time, they think about some weirdo thing that's going on here. It's not some weirdo thing going on. It's Christian lingo, meaning the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, works in people and enables us to have a new start when you trust in Jesus. But sentence six says the Holy Spirit is poured out generously through Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a generous gift of God to us who are unrighteous. And then in sentence 7, we are told that we are justified by his grace. Now, grace is God's breathtakingly generous gift of sending his son Jesus to die for our sins so that we, the unrighteous, might be justified. That means made right before God. It's grace, which is another way of talking about a gift, because we have done nothing to deserve it. And it is grace or a gift because it's not something you can pay for or earn. And it is certainly not a reward that you deserve. So you see what what the Bible is doing here? How it describes God full of kindness and love and mercy and generosity and grace. And so what's happening here is that in the face of people treating them badly, God is saying, treat them well. Do good to them. Why? Because you too were just like them who were treating you badly, but God did good to you. And God treated us according to who he was rather than what we actually deserved. He saved them instead of treating people the way they treated him. And uh, when you read this and dig a bit deeper, uh, the way the writer here constructs this whole section is actually for the purpose of emphasising who God is and emphasising for us what God has done so that we can understand it and appreciate it better. See, he could have just said, you were rotten and God saved you and then moved on. But he doesn't, does he? He expands for our sake and for our appreciation of him. It's like if I said to you, I'm going to give you a cake. And you go, oh, that's nice. Oh, I like cake. Nice. <coughs> All right. Yeah, you know, you appreciate it a little bit. But if I said to you this, I'm going to give you slightly warmed chocolate mud cake. <laughs> See? Ah! Ah! With a velvety Belgian chocolate ganache. Ah, 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 ah. And some raspberry coulis sauce. And a dollop of double-thick King Island cream on one side. And a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream on the other side. Of course, with a light dusting of icing sugar and a strawberry fan. (laughs) Now... When I say I'm going to give you cake, you go. (laughs) Thank you. That was not planned. (laughs) So here, he does not just simply say, God saved us. He says, God, full of kindness. God, full of love, mercy, generosity, grace, He saved us. He is the one who sent His Son, His one and only Son, to die for you so that you. Did not have to pay for your own sins. God saved you. And then he goes on in sentence eight. If you look at that, it says, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. In other words, his argument is, God saved you. In his kindness, love, mercy, generosity and grace when you behaved badly. When you were nasty. So do the same as God did with you. He saved you so that you would not behave as you have behaved towards him but to always do good. Always. For those tonight who are being baptised uh, or confirmed, your response to God saving you is this. Do good. Be kind and considerate, gentle and peaceable, no matter how others treat you. It's not saying be a doormat, no. No. Not at all. But it's saying always do good. Why? Because God saved you. God is kindness, love, grace. And he treats us as we do not deserve. And for all of us who have been saved by God, it is the same. When people behave poorly towards you. And that's just going to happen. Might be people being nasty, might be people being mean, might be people being selfish, It maybe just people parking across your driveway. Do not grease them. (laughs) Do not grease them, but do good to them. Because that's how God treated us. You'll be happy to know (laughs) that I did not grease them and I did not go through with it, but not because I was noble, it was because I was chicken. (laughs) We must understand that God wants us to do this and to do good because when we were at our worst, God gave us his best. Jesus. When we were sinners, He gave us His Son. Can I say as I finish up, if you are here tonight and you have not experienced this extraordinary kindness and love and mercy and generosity and grace. Of God, like those who are being baptized and/or confirmed tonight, then then why not do it tonight? Receive this gift of God. God holds out Jesus to you as a gift, as the one who saves you by paying for your sins for you and bringing you forgiveness and eternal life. Why not? Receive that tonight. And you receive it by putting your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you're here tonight saying, yeah, I want to do that. I want to receive that. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads and pray with me. But I'm going to pray. And if you want to do that, listen very carefully to my prayer and respond accordingly. But let's all bow our heads as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your kindness, love, mercy, and grace in giving us your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And, Father, we pray now for anyone here in this room who wants to accept your forgiveness of Jesus, your forgiveness of their sins by trusting in Jesus, that they might say yes to you right now in the quietness of their hearts. And Father, for those who have just said yes to Jesus, thank you for saving them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you said yes just in the quietness of your heart during that prayer, you know what's happened? You've been forgiven. God has saved you. And you've become part of God's family, one of his children, welcome. Now, if you did say yes, it's so important that you tell the team here. So please come up to to Ben or Sam or to to Jono. I'll be hanging around as well. Or tell one of the other team, tell the person that you came with or invited you. But you need to tell us so that we can encourage you and help you to know Jesus better and better. Some of you tonight might just just heard all this and say, I've got a whole lot of questions about what you said. Uh, ask them. Ask them. There is no such thing as a dumb question. And I'm almost sure that you probably, your question is, is probably a question that uh, we've heard before. So please come and ask it. And I think there'll be a way later someone will explain ways of, of other ways that you can contact the team in asking questions. It was great to be with you. Amen.